So it's Mike Wheeler here. Hope you're having a good day. We have another guest, a wonderful guest, a colleague and friend of mine, Bob Bordone, who for many years uh, taught negotiation and conflict resolution at Harvard Law School. He founded and ran a clinic so that students there, um, instead of practicing to be litigators, could practice to be uh, mediators, and that is still going strong. Bob has moved into many faceted uh, private practice here, offering courses, serving as a facilitator, a mediator sometimes. And he also uh, teaches, continues his teaching work at the same time. We'll hear more in the conversation. We're going to talk about an idea of conflict resilience, um, how we can deal with other people, other groups with whom we have deep differences uh, of both in a more, uh, maybe of a moral and uh, emotional basis, uh, so that Bob is working on some of the great uh, challenges in our current day uh, society. Uh, to hear like an upbeat notion of how we might make some progress, let's get Bob in the conversation. So, Bob, uh, great to be talking with you this morning, and we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I'm just curious, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Can you give us a quick summary? I know you're going two miles a minute, not just a mile a minute, but what have you been working on? Yeah, Mike, first, thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Gosh, it's been busy. I mean, some, some, I'm doing a, a bunch of different work. I think you may know teaching at Georgetown at the law school. I've been busy with that class. Also, last night, about 11.30 at night, I, I sent, hit the send button on a book proposal on a topic that we're going to be talking about, I think, today on conflict resilience. So I've been, I mean, I feel like I've been working on this book proposal for months, but we kind of think it's done now, although we thought it was done for several times. So, but I've been working on that, doing a little bit of facilitation and, you know, um, trying to enjoy life a little bit as well. Well, we're in favor of, of all of those things. And uh, sometimes we forget that the last one you noted is the, is the most important. But when you say we in this proposal, is that the authorial we, that you're of two minds, or do you have a collaborator on this? I'm actually um, uh, authoring this future book with um, a colleague who is actually a neurologist and does work in neuroscience broadly um, at NYU, because uh, part of what we're we're hoping to do in this book is combine work around conflict and negotiation, the kinds of things that I uh, have written about and also teach about and sometimes mediate about with how the brain works. Um, and uh, so this is for all your negotiation listeners, this is an example of creating value around differences in resources and capabilities. Aha. Uh -huh. uh -huh, so, meaning bringing different things to the table. That is correct. That is correct. So, my my uh, colleague in this um, is certainly learning a lot about the world of negotiation, conflict management, and mediation. But that is not his area of expertise. Um, and similarly. I've always been interested in how the brain works, but I certainly don't study it. You know, uh, my level is at the podcast level of, you know, um, uh, Hidden Mind or, or, or right. Malcolm Gladwell. So <laughs> that's our joint endeavor together. So I've been around for a very long time, as you know, Bob. I have not heard the phrase 
conflict resilience, I can make some inferences, uh, but uh, both for me and for our listeners, uh, what do you mean by that? What does that encompass? Sure. Yeah. So um, it is it is a a phrase or a that I kind of came up with a few years ago and um, published a relatively short article on this. Uh, I have a formal definition, which I really define um, as the ability to to sit with and be present around those with whom we have fundamentally different views um, and to listen with a generosity and openness and also to share one's view, own views with authenticity and grace. So I can say a lot more about that, but that is the really short definition. And um, I could say a little bit more if you'd like about both how I came to, to think of this as an important idea and also as one that I, I think is a quality that we are losing as a society um, and culture, and I think we need. So, so let's dig into that, and you can correct my memory, um, and it's fuzzy, uh, but uh, maybe 15 years ago, there was some sort of conference uh, at the program of negotiation where there was a connection between uh, mediation, somebody who sits with people who are in conflict um, and tries to find a way, not just a solution, but a process by which they can uh, bring down the conflict and, and maybe even make it go away. But the, the connection between that and I don't know that the word Zen was used in it, but it, there was something about the composure that some people are able to maintain. They can be empathetic and really understand the pain and anger that uh, their, if you will, clients are feeling, and yet they're not consumed by it. Do you have any memory of what I'm talking about? I know. Dave I do. I, I feel like this was a conference uh, that was more on mindfulness and mediation. That sounds right. I think you know, and Riskin was someone who who spoke, and and I would say that this idea is both related but also uh, different. I would say as well. Can you explain how? Yeah, I think mindfulness is a piece of it for sure. It's not the whole piece. I think part of what I have just observed, and this is something that I observed as a shift in law students over the last uh, few years of my teaching law students, but also in the society, this tendency that when we are faced with something that we would call, I would call conflict or difference or discomfort, we have, I mean, there's always been, right, the tendency either to engage and fight or run for the hills. I would argue that certainly when I came to the field of negotiation and dispute resolution in the late 1990s, there was a real emphasis on problem solving. You may remember, Mike, that the Hewlett Foundation um, was funding both a lot of centers on negotiation, right. funding a lot of young fellows on negotiation. Part of what I started to observe is that the bandwidth for being in conflict was very low unless people could immediately find some joint thing to do together. That is something to problem solve. Just to be clear, right? I'm, very, I'm in favor of problem solving. A lot of the teaching I do is about problem solving. But I also think that there is this quality of being at odds with people, seeing things really different, but still 
engaging with them, still having a relationship with them, still being able to talk about those differences, even if they're not right for resolution. And that quality is, I guess, what I mean by conflict resilience, that instead of either going to our various cocoons of comfort, whether it's on social media or on MSNBC and Fox or you know, our friends, or alternately ending up in a shouting match, right? Because I think that's the other way we see right. conflict enacted, that this engagement with the other, even if the conversation doesn't end with the three things we're going to do together or a bow, you know, that's nicely wrapped, is critically important as a leadership skill. It's important to have in organizations. Um, it's important to have as individuals and it's disappearing. Part of what I wanted to do is give it a name and then make the case for why I think it's really important for organizations and communities and families. I'm curious, if we go back to what you were saying about problem solving, I can understand conflicts over, you know, uh, people wanting possession of an item or something of that sort, or wanting ownership, if you will, of how a process is going to unfold and they're at each other's throats uh, uh, and they're fighting about that. Well, there's problem solving in the sense of maybe there's an ingenious way that both people's interests can be solved. That sort of materializes what the conflict is, is about. And I understand that sometimes there can be an aha moment where uh, you say potato, I say potato, and we're, we, we live with it. But there's a, also the problem solving where if we can try to find our way to a practical solution, that in itself brings the temperature down. I don't know if I've been completely clear in that, but when you speak of problem solving, are you talking about both levels? Uh, one is, you know, what is right before us and is there a way in which we can find a mutually acceptable solution? Then there's something about engagement, which is a process kind of thing. Is that Are those the dimensions you're talking about or can you clarify for me? At a base notion, when I think of problem solving, I often think of the former. That is, you know, here's five issues. Let's work them out to some mutual resolution. But I think when I think about conflict resilience or when I think about this quality that I think is disappearing, it's, it's much more around the latter. There may not be neat, immediate answers. There are likely to be continuing differences. Um, but the process of continuing to engage both around the differences and generally around all the ways in which we're living with each other, that, you know, if we, I could call that a you know, deeper problem solving or, um, but, but whatever we want to call that, that is the thing that um, requires, I think, a real conflict resilience because it means being in continued discomfort with people that, you know, at times the problems may feel really existential, may feel really kind of foundational around ideals, character. I think there's a strong temptation around those harder intractable problems to disengage or to kind of arm up and begin the battle. We don't have enough examples in our current culture or society of people who kind of stick in there and continue to engage despite their own kind of discomfort, despite the challenges, 
despite the fact that, in fact, they may not resolve it, uh, or they may in the long run. But that engagement, that sticking with, that's what I mean by conflict resilience. So, so with I, I, I do get that, and I'm so glad you're investigating it. But you were saying that this conference that both you and I remember, though not maybe sharply as I should, on mediation and mindfulness, you said that's related, but not the same thing. And I think of mindfulness as involving a great deal of self-awareness, of having uh, you know thoughts and feelings flow through your mind, uh, being aware of that, and letting them go, uh, which may be a rather thin explanation of mindfulness. But how is what you're talking about somewhat different? Yeah, so I think uh, all of the all of the mindfulness piece would I think apply to conflict resilience, but for maybe that last piece you said, which is around letting them go. So when you say letting them go, meaning not letting it fundamentally ruin me, I, I'm we're in concurrence. But when you say letting it go, meaning I'm not going to actually kind of assert the ways in which I do feel whatever it is, upset and disagreement, right. hurt, uh, angry. That That's where I think I, I would see something different here. Because the second, the, the two pieces of the resilience, right, or one is the kind of sitting with, but the other, is, and the listening, but the other is the ability to actually put forward your own views, the ways in which you see it differently, but not in the kind of Brad Blanton radical honesty way where I just, whatever's in my mind, I just say, however, I feel like saying it, that's my truth and live with it. Right. But in a way that's, that maximizes the chances that the other person can hear you, which is different from being avoided, which is different from not saying a, B and C, but it's finding, how do I say a, B and C? in a way that doesn't guarantee anything because you can't guarantee anything, any reaction of the other side, but at least maximizes the chances that it can land, that they can hear it. So I, I remember, if I'm not conflating here, that David Hoffman, our friend and colleague who teaches mediation at Harvard Law School, was on a panel where he was describing, or I was inferring, that he had a, an ability to empathize with people who are in heated disputes, you know, X and Y, you know, or just are possessed by anger and pain. And he could empathize and understand that, but not himself be consumed by it, had this ability to deeply understand and at some level to feel what they're feeling and yet you know, maintain his own composure. I don't know if you recall that in particular. Yes, and that is very characteristic of David. What we don't know, was David born with that? Is it a skill that we can learn by reading about? Does, does it require training? Uh, what's hard about it? Yeah. I mean, so I think that, you know, one can learn about it. One can read about it. One probably just as an all, I would, I would argue kind of in all things related to our field, people are differentially able to do certain things, whether it's listen well, frame a case, make a point. But it's also the case that though we're differentially able, right, we can grow within our own 
set of abilities with intentional practice, um, with some coaching, with some awareness of how it works. So, so part of what I would say is there's a piece, and I think this conference that we've been both been speaking about, right? There's a piece that's really internal. There's a piece of, of work that we have to do around kind of grounding our own, our own complex identities and therefore not being so easily knocked off by a comment or a set of views that um, might shake that foundational identity. So I don't think that's stuff that you and I could video record people doing. We, I don't think we make a very good you know, teaching video on that. Mm-hmm. But then I think there is also a trainable piece in terms of what does this look like that people can actually practice and learn and get feedback on. And then I think there's a third piece, at least as I think about conflict resilience in some contexts, around how do we build containers or organizations that make the conditions for being conflict resilient easier. For me, that would be you know, a riff on Amy Edmondson's work on psychological safety, for example. Right. This is a, Amy is a colleague of mine at Harvard Business School, Amy Edmondson, yes? You know, if, I, if I'm a manager of a workplace, right, how do I create the conditions that help me take advantage of the diversity that may be in my workplace around whether it's politics or religion or race or gender or gender identity? How do I really maximize the ability to call the call the richness of that diversity instead of having people feel like here's the range of views that I'm allowed to have here. Yes. And outside of this, I better keep it quiet. And I think we miss something that way. And I think at a at a societal level, you know, this is why I think the idea of problem solving is good, but shouldn't be a precondition for this quality of conflict resilience. Because I think there are some big issues where the overlap of, you know, the Venn diagram doesn't overlap very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean the others are cartoon characters. Like, like they're, they're complex people with emotions and thoughts and nuance. And I feel like we are in a moment now where this um, both ability, but also even interest and desire uh, to engage the other in a meaningful way that isn't about just bludgeoning them is fast fading and dangerous. We're going to have to wait for your book on conflict resilience. You've mentioned Amy Edmondson. Are there other things that you have found that you'd recommend to our uh, listeners here to investigate, to look at, that uh, might be helpful, giving them just perhaps a little nudge to dig deeper into their own psyches? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean... um... I have a relatively obscure article on this topic <laughs> that is uh, in the University of Missouri Law Review. It was kind of my first foray into to writing on this topic. So that's that's one, one thing they might consider. On the kind of political front, there's lots of really interesting people who are trying to do work around this. Mike, you, you probably remember Keith Alred. Sure. And, you know, Keith is now the executive director of 
uh, the National Institute for uh, Civil Discourse, and I'm a senior advisor there. And that's, you know, just a place that people can go to where there is a lot of resource on how to do some of this. So so this is to be sure that people have names right. They'd, they'd find your work under Robert Bourdon, and that's B-O-R-D-O-N-E, Robert Bourdon. I am mildly dyslexic, uh, so when we talk about Keith's work, Keith Allred, is that one L or two? It is two L's, A-L-L-R-E-D. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> when, I, when I send articles in, I, I, I'm, thank goodness for, for proofreaders, because I can make a real mess of it. So Keith has done interesting work, and again, the name of the... Uh, institute, the organization? It's called the National Institute for Civil Discourse. And uh, their website is nicd.arizona.edu. Um, and that's because it is housed actually in, at the University of Arizona, although uh -huh. their offices are in Washington. Keith has uh, always been on the forefront of good ideas. So it's great that you're in company with him. Any last thoughts here? I realize we've just scratched the surface, but it is interesting that when we think about negotiation, much of what is available to the public is about transactional negotiation, whether it's buying a car or working with a team or something of, of that sort. But um, we have disagreements with people in terms of goals, aspirations, values uh, even. Those are difficult negotiations. And uh, if we could get somewhat better at them, both in specific cases and as you suggest more globally, as far as society is concerned, that's all to the good. But any last thoughts you'd add here, Bob? Yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, one, I can go on probably ad nauseum. I'll say two more places you might look. One, just to the degree people would want to hear a little more specifically on the topic of conflict resilience if they go to my website, which is bobwardone.com, under featured videos, uh, back in May, I delivered a lecture um, that was done in cooperation with the On Being Project, um, run by Krista Tippett, who some of your listeners may be familiar with. Um, anyway, they, they may find that interesting. And I think the other thing I would simply say is Krista Tippett, who is a, a NPR personality, has a radio program called On Being, um, is another person who I think has really opened up a lot of space around the challenges and, and kind of opportunities of being both deeply empathic, like really good listeners, but also really authentic across lines of difference. And so um, I would just send people to, uh, to her site um, and also um, to some of what she's written. Great suggestion. Just one more time for our listeners. Your website URL is? Yes, it's uh, Bob Bourdon, B-O-B-B-O-R-D as in David, O-N-E.com. There's a link called videos. And um, if they, they'll find the 10th annual Leffert lecture is the one. Uh, it's very clearly marked as being with On Being and Mass General. They could watch that there. Or they could peruse my website for all sorts of other interesting things if they're so inclined. Well, I'm going to suggest to them that they be so inclined. I know that we face a lot of challenges in our world today, and I am very grateful, Bob, that uh, you're doing what you can to uh, 
be a countervailing positive force. So thank you so much for uh, joining Agility at Work today. Mike, thanks so much for having me. Always fun talking to you. Well, as I'm sure you could tell, I always learn something when I talk to uh, Bob. I like the idea of conflict resilience. I like even more the uh, goodwill and imagination that is uh, behind it. So I encourage you to look at, not just now, but from time to time, Bob's uh, work, because he's really advancing the field of negotiation and more importantly, um, uh, societal aims as well. And it's good to have a positive note in all of this. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time on Agility at Work. <music>